0: Before I begin this Aspire mailbag episode, I wanted to address the injustices that are occurring in this country, even though this episode does not consist of questions regarding racism, equity, or privilege. As a white male, I do not truly understand how it feels to live through inequity and injustice, but I do know that I cannot be silent about these extremely important topics. The latest murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others have shown how our country systems are slanted and oppressive. This does not stop at the justice system. We as educators must reflect and discover inequities and injustices in our own schools. As leaders of black colleagues and black students, it is our duty to voice our concerns when we see someone being treated unfairly, when policies are biased, and when structures are meant to create barriers for success. In the last Aspire episode, I started the conversation with Dr. Sheldon Atkins, and I will continue to use this platform to learn, inform, and educate on the issues of racial justice, equity, and implicit bias. I hope you will join me in standing up and breaking down racism, not only in our country, but in our schools. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the ninth Aspire mailbag with my good friend, the COO, and co-founder of Teach Better, the man of the hour, no, the man of the year, Jeff Gargis.
1: The man of the year?
0: Yeah, buddy. What are you bucking
1: for? Are you, you owe me something? <laughs> or are you just really trying to get Ray mad right now? Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Hashtag boycott. It's, on. it's back on again here. Are we? On? Is this is this number nine? I, I think I say that every time we do an episode. I'm like, is this number seven? Is this number nine, really? It is number nine, I huh? think you're surprised every time I ask you back. We took a little bit of break through a couple-week break, and then like... This is yeah. awesome. I, I'm, I'm pumped up. Here we are. Episode 15 already. This is great. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Do we have some questions? Did anybody ask anything? Is it? Are people still asking us questions? Yeah, we've reached out to the listeners to ask for
0: leadership questions via Twitter, Instagram, and Boxer. And <laughs> in the past episodes, we have answered five leadership questions, and that's the same format that we're going to do tonight. And we have some awesome questions this evening. And so if you're ready, Jeff, we're going to go ahead and start with the first one.
1: I'm ready, man. Let's do it.
0: All right. This one's from Alex Balenci. I read a lot about better practices in education and want to share what I have read with staff. How do I do that without overwhelming them with too much information?
1: Oh, that's a good question. And probably a common one that people have, honestly, because if you're if you're the type of person that gets into that and like you love to listen to podcasts or you love finding you know YouTube videos or websites or books, right? You just want to share that, especially if you're trying to help. But yeah, you can totally like overwhelm them. Part of that, Alex, is if is the way in which you share it. If they, if there's any chance that they're feeling like you're, or they might accidentally take it as you're requiring it to them, versus just like sharing it, that can be dangerous because that can lead to overwhelm. Who's like, oh, I gotta read this book because Alex said I should. Or and that can also happen unintentionally just because they really respect your opinion and they want to. So one thing you could consider doing is maybe just like creating a resource page or compiling things together. Maybe, I don't know if you do like a a weekly or monthly, like maybe a newsletter or something like that that you share out. And that can be a piece that you share out. And then as you come up with these resources, I know it's, I think the problem is usually when you come across a good resource, you know, like you want to like share it right away. Mm -hmm. But if you can restrain yourself and just build a a bank of it, you can either build that like maybe like a web page. You say, Hey guys, you can always remember you always have this here. There's a lot of different things here. Uh, including some of these great books I've been reading. So it could be stuff there, maybe with some write-ups and a notes from you. Or if it's in like a, a weekly or monthly newsletter, it's maybe not as overwhelming because you're like, here's some update stuff. Oh, and here's, as always, you know, three of my recommendations or something of that nature. I think that could be a way, but I think just paying attention to how you're phrasing it, how you're sharing it, and and trying to like best understand how they're feeling. And honestly, you might just ask them, like talk to a few people. Like, hey, look, I know I share a lot of stuff with you. Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you feel like that? Is there a better way I could be doing this? And, and just making sure that they understand that your intention is not to force anything on them uh, or to overwhelm them, but just to give them the opportunity to to share. Do you do a lot of that, Josh? Do you share? Do you find do you like share a lot of stuff with your staff, or do you try to hold back? Do you organize? Like, how do you handle that? I
0: think early on in my leadership journey I did share quite a bit, and I think it was overwhelming. And I think that comes with different experiences, too. Some folks, what they see as a recommendation of best practices is actually, they think of it as like an initiative that's occurring or trying to get off the ground, and then they think of it also as something that will fall to the wayside. So that's what you Mm. have to be careful about is, here's a recommendation versus this is an initiative that's going to go for a long period of time. And so what they've seen is an initiative, get off the ground, fail, and then get moved on to something else. And so they're like, well, why am I even gonna try
1: this? It's just one more one, one more of these,
0: right? Yeah. And it's just one more thing that's you know we're gonna do for two months or a year, and then it's gonna go sure. away. And so you just have to be careful. And I think what you said before is, is great about like making sure that your resources are in a unified area and something that they can always go to. So for instance, like this year, we've been using Padlet for our resources. It's something you can throw on you can throw blogs podcasts all kinds of stuff of just general resources and you can have columns of different topics and that way teachers can go in there they find something cool or maybe it's your leadership team they can go in there drop it in and then whoever is looking for it or is seeking they have all the resources there that's one one stop shop um, that they can go to so they're not feeling like they're getting inundated they're the ones searching for that information and now it's here for them yeah
1: you're giving them a single resource that's just reoccurring correct they can either go check it out or not so instead of getting a a email or whatever with five books it's the same link and they know where to go they might go there, and it might be five or six new books but they're not like you said like i love it because they're choosing to go there but they don't have to i think that's a big piece so yeah Um, because once
0: they get overwhelmed with things then it's just a turn off and then you know whatever you say it might be the most brilliant best practice that ever has come to man won't even go through their ears. I think the ownership of going somewhere, they're seeking it. They want that knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the way I would go. All right, you ready for question number two? Yeah, let's do it. Why do you think people are so confined to a rigid look, perception, and requirements for leaders? Many still have the same narrow view on how to dress, act, degrees required, and what people should say. Why has our mindset not evolved with time? (laughs) And I should say this is from Taylor Armstrong.
1: That's a good one. So my, my gut reaction to that is fear and judgment. And a lot of people they have a fear of things that they don't understand or the things that are different. And that, that's, that just doesn't change. That's just people. Um, some people like to hold on to what things were. And then I, but I also think it's judgment, but it's actually not maybe not what it is. I think there's a misconception with judgment. A lot of times, or I'd say more often than not, when someone's judging, you for the way you look or you know the tattoos you have that that show right on your you know that you can't cover up right or with a piercing you still have all these little things right so like but i think when when they're judging that a lot of times judgment actually comes from they're judging themselves first and because they're judging themselves and comparing themselves to whatever they think that they should be they then judge others to bring those uh, other people down to right, pick themselves up. So if I don't feel worthy myself because I don't have a – or my doctorate, but I've got my master's, I'm going to look down on anyone and judge anyone who doesn't have a master's because that makes me feel better about the fact that I don't have my doctorate yet. If I – feel like maybe i'm not i don't i'm trying to think of how like like with the tattoo thing like because I, I saw the comments from you know when taylor shared this out when it got it got a great thread going i think um, a lot of great comments in there but but like with the tattoos and the dress and stuff like that a lot of times as well like they're judging themselves on like they don't feel like they're worthy so they have to do these extra things like dress certain ways speak certain ways you know, read certain books and say certain things and whatever and because of that they then project that out and they judge you to make themselves feel better because if I say oh Josh wears a hoodie to school I'm, a, I'm, I'm better because I wear a polo Right. that's really because I'm beating myself up because I don't feel as good as this other guy or gal that wears a polo or wears dresses and stuff and so I think a lot of times that's where it actually comes from so it's this sort of reverse of like you gotta have some empathy for him right and try to understand where they're coming from i think that's a big big piece of it but there's also a piece also well i think as well as like being afraid of what you don't understand or being afraid of like this different style coming and taking over because maybe that's not my style maybe i really am just i i wear you know i dress up i don't have tattoos i'm not you know i'm not that 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 style of dress or speak or whatever and if you are i might fear that you're different. And that might move me out of the job. I don't want it to change because I'm comfortable. Right. People don't like to be uncomfortable. And so change is very uncomfortable, but it's, it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. I don't know how we change that. I think it has changed a lot, but like, for example, like Josh, I don't know, like, I mean, you have tattoos on your arms 15 years ago, you, wouldn't have been able to be in your position right now, probably. Or they would say you have to cover that up. Yep. And um they <laughs> yeah, and they did. Yeah. I I remember the very first time I, I walked in when I was uh 19 years old into Arby's and they're like to work and the manager's like it's great to meet you like it was my first day he's like when you get back we'll we'll get started and I'm like when I get back from what he goes you need to shave be clean shaving get those earrings out of your ears. You yep. can't have that here and then the laws change, and like they always turn to safety, and they're like, "Oh, never mind. that's not a big deal. You can wear earrings. You can do these different things." Yeah. So, like, so it has shifted in a in a progressive manner, but it's slow, and it takes time. And I think that piece is because, as a society, like we're, we're afraid of change because we're we're uncomfortable with it. Right. People who are in that old school mindset or that old school thinking. They don't want to move because it's it's comfortable and it's it's uncomfortable to get out of that and i think i think in education it's a it's it's a big one that's really got a lot of that kind of stigma on it of like you're supposed to be this you're supposed to be this disciplinarian at the front of the room and you know you're in your you know whatever your tweed jacket and whatever i I don't know whatever whatever image they have in their head which in my opinion i'm like gosh in the 90s we had videos of like the cool teachers who wore like dressed like kid. I mean who cares right yeah. it's not about that mm-hmm. but yeah I totally get it um, I know Taylor had a video you know did a post a video about it and stuff and was, like I said a, really, a lot of great comments on that and I think the best way to keep doing it is just keep doing what you're doing keep being you finding yourself um, and, and bringing your style and it will we'll continue to wear it down
0: well and show and model what change looks like and how it's successful. I think, like you said, everyone has their own experiences and they they cling to those because that's what they know. That's what they mm-hmm. what they've gone through, and for a lot of times have been successful in, and so they're gonna want to replicate that even more so. Um, and there's other things too about like values and perceptions. You were talking about dress, right? How some people are well, education gets a bad rap. We want to make sure that we're professional, and so we're gonna look like, we're gonna look professional. But when you come mm-hmm. down to it, as far as student learning, does it really matter if you have a sports jacket on or a hoodie as a teacher. Probably not, right? I remember uh, going to a buddy's house for the weekend and his mom's like, Hey, we're going to church. It was Sunday morning. I had like shorts and a t shirt. I didn't have anything. And in my house, you dress in your best clothes and you're going to church on Sunday. I didn't realize that we were going to church. I didn't, you know, pack anything. So she was like, Get up, let's go. And I was like, I can't go. I don't have anything. I don't have my shirt and tie. She goes, God doesn't care what you wear, just go to church. Right? And I got in the car
1: in shorts and a t-shirt. Rocked my world. I used to have that argument with my mom all the time on Sunday mornings. I'm like, God doesn't care what I'm wearing, Mom. You said he loves me no matter what. Exactly. Which means he loves my hoodie. So in that same vein, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Can a kid learn when someone's got tattoos and purple hair versus someone who's in a jacket and tie, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it comes back. Now, are some people more comfortable in that setting versus vice versa? Of course, yeah. Some people are way more comfortable with the shirt and tie because that was their experience. And of course, they want to be replicating what they know. I think pushing the envelope is key as far as being a leader. Now, you can't rock the boat immediately and just start making change after change after change. You're going to lose your staff. But over time, if you're making that shift, whatever it may be, you have to model it and you, you need to make sure that the perception from others is that you're doing it what's best for the campus, Yeah. and then you have to kind of massage that
1: with time. Yeah, and I think a big piece of that is your community and how they view that. And whether it's right or wrong how they view it, that's not the question. It's how can you best change that view and that perception without ruining the relationship? And sometimes that means it's got to be slow and, and, and subtle. Yep. But if you do it that right, and you continue to bring yourself in, but you're staying true the whole time, but you're letting them kind of ease into this change this different style you're gonna help that community in a large a much larger way too as they learn to just be more accepting more open and then and it, it like I said it'll take time but it'll it'll go away you know if you work at it so breaking down those barriers yeah keep being you breaking them down but do it respectfully and 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 listen to your your community and your audience and, and how you need to do it and there might be a little up and flow to that so, yep. so it's a good it's a good question a good continual battle I think so for sure all
0: right question number three cool question number three is Greg Moffitt and his question is you've pulled your school community and collectively you've identified two really important areas of focus for the next year but then your budgets were cut do you continue to focus on both goals with less money do you focus on just one do you go and
1: buy a lottery ticket and hope? For those? <laughs> um, Don't buy the lottery. A lottery your, lot You're probably not going to win because hope's not a strategy. I think a lot of it depends on the two areas you identified and how close they were. And if one was far more important to the community and, and collectively amongst staff than the other one or not, if they were both the same. But in my mind, my immediate thought is if... These two areas were important enough to put money into when you had the budget, then they should be important enough to continue with less of a budget. So you might have to get creative. You might have to find ways. And how can we do this? How can we budget this? How can we stretch our dollars? Can we fundraise differently? Can we do different stuff? Maybe one gets a little more, a little more budget than the other because out of the two, it becomes the more important one. I think, if in my mind, if they were both important enough to spend. If you had $100,000 and you were going to spend it, and now you have 50, you were going to spend, you know what I mean? Like, so I think if it was important enough to spend anything, you should spend what you have because there's a school down the road that never had the budget to begin with, and they have to do the same thing too. So you can always do that. You just got to get creative.
0: Man, a hundred grand. I want to work for your school.
1: I'm just (laughs) throwing stuff out there. You know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on what the budget is. I mean, you know.
0: I would agree. I mean, if it's important, then you roll with it. I mean, there's money out there. A lot of times in communities, people want to provide something, they just don't know what to provide. Um, and so it's just you're going to have to be creative and you have to go out. And maybe it's not from the district that you're getting those funds from, but like you said, maybe it's a fundraiser, maybe it's a community uh, member or a business that'll partner with you. Um, there's ways to get around budgetary pieces. Obviously, you want to talk with your district about that, too, and make sure you're not doing something you're not supposed to. But um, as far as getting partnerships, uh, there's plenty of ways. And we've done this um, in my other school of really partnering with other folks to to fund things that we had no business funding because we didn't have the budget. So um, if it's important, you can you can do things on the cheap, have to have the money, then definitely, like you said, you got to find those other resources and those other partnerships. Man, we got some heavy questions today. All right, question number four is from Adam Cottis. His question is, what would be the most effective route to develop an SEL program over the
1: summer? Uh, Go to Amazon, type in award-winning culture, and buy Hans Apples' new book. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I say that jokingly, but also not really jokingly. That is actually a really great book. You take that book, and he'll walk you through everything they've done to create incredible... It's not exactly a SEL program, but it like it addresses everything that an SEL program does. That's how they built this culture. Yep. Um, it really is, but but I think more like actually, Josh, you're probably better to answer this. So because I know you guys focus on this. So yep. like, how would you approach this if you had to do it? I and when mean, you probably you may be doing it right now, kind of revamping yours, I'm sure with the virtual side of things. But like, how do you do this over in just a short time right now in the summer? Well, and.
0: I know you said you were joking about the book, but that book for one is is huge. You can also listen to them. They were just on the Aspar podcast and kind of laid a little bit of that as far as what the book is. And Jen said this beautifully is that it's not one more thing on the plate. SEL is the plate
1: it is the plate I know I love that it's such a good saying such
0: a powerful statement
1: that she said and
0: that's so true like if you are building a school and building culture you have to focus on SEL and to do that you have to have a good curriculum they speak about character strong as one company and I have no affiliation to them but I know of the work that they do and they have a wonderful curriculum that's used by many and that's something that their school is connected with. And that was kind of a starting point. And so um, I would say if you're going to actually do SEL within the classrooms, one is having a, a wonderful curriculum. But two, you need to make sure that you have the professional development piece to go with it. Because a lot of teachers mm-hmm. are coming in without the skills to really hone in on SEL. And if they're not trained then that is like what we talked about earlier of initiatives dying that's going to die right away and then that's going to affect your school culture in a negative way also so you got to make sure that you get the buy-in and the why piece because when teachers go to school to learn how to teach they're they're learning about you know how to teach math how to teach science they're not learning how to reach the social emotional aspect of a child and so for them it's for a lot of teachers it's something that's foreign to them and and they don't possess the skills and so if it's foreign to them and they are lacking like the procedures and things then there's gonna be a lot of fear that goes with that and they're gonna be kind of standoffish uh, about mm-hmm. the topic and so you got to make sure that you provide the tools right away and so for me like I started with a, an action team um, a relationship action team where I took people that I knew were passionate about the topic trained them first they had a wonderful understanding and then use them to teach other teachers. Because it's one thing for me to be the one that teach everybody, but then it's taken as a top-down movement. It's another to have a peer say, I've done this, I've tried it, it's been successful, and now I'm gonna teach you and show you why it is. why it is." And that, I've done in two different districts, two different campuses, and that seems to be much more successful than just getting up and trying to teach.
1: And I'd say with the, with the short one, know if you is this the summer thing, I think, Uh, important thing would be is to be strategic start smaller with some of the things you're trying to do and i would say pull to pull from some from one of the things that i love that jen and hans always talk about is like so you can start small but in the biggest focus like is just be intentional every single thing you do needs to be intentional Mm -hmm. with the focus of SEL on it but you can start small and move into it, Adam. So you can, you know, you can work through that. So, and I'll I'll
0: jump onto to uh, as far as what Hans said was like it was a three-year process. Like you said, it's it's slow. <laughs> it's yeah something that you're building up on top of, you know, each year. So if you think like over summer, like everybody's going to be on board and you're going to have a beautiful system <laughs> you're going to be disappointed so
1: uh, you can you can start forming that plate though right you can start right. forming the how we how, what are the pieces what are, what are we going to make that right. plate out of right so you can yeah. start building the the structure in place start having the conversations be intentional about the things you put in place but I, I think that's a great point about being a three-year planner like you can't rush this you have to plan it you got to be very intentional about right. it and go with it so it's an awesome question though yeah great question to all
0: right let's see question are we going five? five is this five it's five man yeah
1: we're done so soon and this question is actually for you for me yeah they're all aren't they all for me Josh? Them <laughs> <come on. laughs> all
0: right so who's this from um scott nunes and scott scott's a great guy
1: he's a good dude his question is
0: how long have you been developing the grid method i mean Net- i've been up. developing it for years now <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I haven't developed at all. So actually the good method was actually developed, like created by, I guess I've been developed. It's been, cre- it was created by Chad Ostrowski. Um, so that was created, gosh, when did he created seven years, seven, eight years ago, give or take. Uh, and we've been developing it as, in the form of, you know, training sharing and growing it, you know, and then what, what led into Teach Better, you know, for past six years now almost you know, cause everything we started as when we started everything, it was just the grid method. It was the grid yeah. method.com or is that the grid method? Everything. That's all we did. And so, you know, that's when we started developing it in the form of, of how we train on it. And, and I, I joked about me developing, but I guess I have worked with Chad quite a bit over the last six years of, of, of developing different pieces of it. Sure. Um, really more or less just, we, we've, we've worked together and with our team and people that we've ran into and stuff to continually tweak it. One of the best parts about the good method is that it is like ever changing, ever flowing because yep. it's, it's a, sh- a framework. It's not a curriculum. Right? It's not a, it's not rigid. It's very fluid. We have never found any, we've never literally never found a, a curriculum, a tool, um, uh a, you know a system that's already in place uh a, whatever a program we've never found anything that doesn't work in it which is the coolest part but every time we find something new we're like oh yeah this is how that would fit in we come up with a new way of doing it and and stuff like that so we so us as a team for the last you know five and a half almost six years um Chad for quite a, a, a few years before that with him with him actually creating it you know in his classroom um putting it together so and then josh has apparently been working on it the entire time so yeah <laughs> i think i think if i remember i think i've seen scott i think scott keeps like toying with the idea of of jumping into the good method and learn more about it so uh hopefully he'll finally take the, take the leap, man, and, and get in there and actually i've done too much work for him not to really <laughs> You really have. Like, Scott, it's just out of respect for Josh at this yeah. point. You should. Actually, jo- I know you're you're probably about to ask me what's going on with Teach Better, so I'm going to go right into that. So Because <laughs> you always ask me, and I love that. But but this this question led me into this, at least. Like We actually have I, – I I'm not exactly sure when this episode comes out, but I'm pretty sure this is coming out right around the time. On June 2nd, we are starting a four-week, eight-part series with Chad that is a webinar series that is Building the Grid. And the best part is even if this come, if you don't listen to this so after June 2nd, you can still get in and register and you because you get the recordings of all those sessions. So even if you miss all of them, you can go back and get them all. And so it's going to be two sessions a week for four weeks with chats on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the they're going to be both training sessions and a lot of QA. There's going to be a lot of like looking at people's grids and, and assessing stuff. You're essentially going to be going through a what we would normally do like a two day workshop across four weeks and where you're going to you're actually going to work, you're going to work through a grid on how to build grids. And so you're actually going to be able to work and access all the materials um, when you're not in session during the webinars and be working in a live grid. So you're actually going to be able to work at the same way that your students would work if you were running a grid. And if you, and you know, there's a lot of grids, a lot of times, you know, that's four weeks isn't, it's pretty close to the average, a lot, you know, a lot of grids are, you know, anyway, two, three, four weeks. Um, So it's going to really, you're really going to be like immersed into this, um, into the world of grid and and in a virtual environment, which is exactly what we need right now. So I think Scott should definitely go over to teachbetter.com slash grid webinar. And that's where that's at. So anyway, uh, let's do this actually, Josh. So that is a paid event, Mm -hmm. but, and I'll just, I'll do this after we get off, but let's, if you put in the discount code, aspire, A S P I R E, you know, like this podcast, you'll take, uh, let's just do, we'll, we'll go just full on out 50% off. How's that? Nice. Don't tell anyone I did that. Well, I so if you, show notes. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell my team. I did that. If you're interested in that teachbettercom slash grid webinar. Uh, like I said, that's four, four weeks, eight, eight sessions. You get all the recordings, lifetime access to that. And of course this, and that's got, you'll get a PDF download of the, of the workbook. Uh, you'll get, uh, a bunch of templates and and uh, example grids and all this other stuff, and you get to really feel it. And and so it'll be. It's normally seventy five bucks so whatever. Half nice. of that is is what you'll get. So use Aspire.
0: Hey Jeff. What's up? What else is going on?
1: <laughs> you can't steal my thunder, man. No, no. The virtual kickoff, man. Virtual kickoff, yeah. So you, I I got all thrown <laughs> off with this this stuff. So yeah, we have this because you're part of that. So July fourteenth. July 14th we've got the the Teach Better 2020 so the Teach Better Conference 2020 we are doing a virtual networking kickoff so this is this is the idea of from Neil Gupta Dr. Neil Gupta and Ray working together because Neil brought this idea of like you know there's so many challenges that we face you know and there's reasons people might be uncomfortable for going to conferences introvert all this type sure. of stuff right but the biggest things he said you know is like it's really tough to go to a conference when you don't know anyone right and and then you're going out of the network and you don't really know anyone you don't feel like that but and we, we don't he's like i don't want ever anyone to ever feel like that they should be able to walk in there and at least know some people and feel good see some yeah. familiar faces and names so we want to do this virtual kickoff as it's in that don't it's a network event, but we've got some, there's, there's some awesome sessions, including one by you as well. Right? So it's a free event. It, the purpose is for you to come and meet a whole bunch of people, see a bunch of faces, bunch of names, get connected with people, build relationship with people so that when you come out to Akron, Ohio in October, for the conference, you know, some people already you're coming in because we just want you to come be part of the family. And even if you don't come, to, come to the event in, in October, you know, you're going to meet a whole bunch of new people. And there's some really awesome sessions going on from some incredible people like, uh, Dr. Valerie, Camille Jones, uh, yep. Mandy Freilich, uh, uh, Matt Miller and, uh, CJ Reynolds. Oh, and Josh for stamper, right. And oh. a few other people too. So some amazing things. So if you go to, uh, teach slash kickoff 2020 so kickoff 2020 um we can register that that is free you'll go you'll fill out the form and you'll you'll select you need to select your two sessions there as well it is on the 14th which is a we'll call it a tuesday um and it's it's in the evening so sorry seven o'clock eastern time uh but yeah so that's a really cool that's a really fun one we got going on that's gonna be a blast it's all about having fun Uh, uh casual clothes are encouraged uh beverages are encouraged like Like come as you are, like come like you're hanging out. Uh, We've got swag going up. You go to teachbetterswag.com. You can actually get some, uh, virtual kickoff, uh, swag. So we've got t-shirts over there. We've got sweatshirts we've, we've got, because I, and I'm not joking. Beverages are, are, um, recommended almost encouraged and recommended. We actually have wine tumblers over there with the logo on it too. So like you can get your wine tumbler and be ready. Well, they need or you a your,
0: Jeff shirt sure too.
1: No, well, well that, yeah, that's over at swag too. So you can definitely get, <laughs> boy, boy, Ray is so boycotting you after this. <laughs> but no, so that's really fun. I'm really excited about that one. So, so that, so we got that, you get the free webinar series going on. You get the grid series coming up. A lot of really cool stuff going. We have a couple cool things coming up soon too that we can't talk about yet. So I'm just going to say that awesome follow at teach better team and get on that and stuff and josh will be aware of those so he'll make sure you guys all have the link too so oh for sure that was yeah, good. sorry that was a, a lot, lot of links
0: in the show notes this week <laughs> a, lot of links. a lot of links big show notes
1: big show notes <laughs> all right well thank you
0: just for all the listeners that provide questions make sure that if you do have a leadership question that you reach out to jeff or myself on twitter instagram or voxer and we would love to answer your questions on the future aspire mailbags and as always jeff thank you so much for being on the podcast
1: thank you sir appreciate you